Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Howdy ho, everybody. I am Scott McIntosh, and this is my co-host, Becky. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hey, uh, Becky, why don't you introduce our guest today? Oh, I'd love to. Our guest is a good friend of ours. His name is Sean Wickard, and let me tell you a little bit about him. You know, life was going smoothly for Sean until one day he woke to a new paradigm, and life would never be the same again. It was eventually discovered that he had a rare spinal disease called transverse myelitis. Okay, help me out here, Sean. What's that? Myelitis. Myelitis and lupus. I knew I was going to butcher that. Sean became among the first 100 in the world to receive a rare stem cell transplant using his own adult stem cells. The stem cell treatment and Sean's undeniable will to walk again helped him prove the doctors wrong and conquer the impossible. He has regained the ability to use his legs and walk. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so here you are. Tell us a little bit about some background and some history. Yeah, um, growing up, I was active outside, hiking, biking, water sports, mountain climbing. Um, I climbed Mount Rainier when I was 15 as a scout trip, so our scout troop rocked. Um, Up until I was sick, I rollerbladed, was in the gym, hiked, just loved being active and outdoors. So that Sunday morning when I woke up and things were different with my legs, you know, it caused uh, some concern and... It quickly changed over the next few days. and It wasn't just an excuse to not go to church that day? You know, I thought about that. Um, <laughs> no, it never went away. I thought it was like your foot falling asleep and it would wake up, but it never woke up. This isn't something that lasted months. This was just one morning you woke up. Yeah. Saturday I worked out and was fine. Sunday morning I was not. Wow. Yeah. Well, right now you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Look, at that time I had no clue. The doctors had no clue. Um, by the... By Wednesday, I was numb from the chest down and 50% weaker. And by Saturday, I could barely walk and barely breathe. And how old were you? 27. You're you're a young man at 27, and you're finding that uh, now you're going to be in a wheelchair. Possibly, yeah. I healed up from that over the next few months. It hit again that fall in October. It never went away. And the following June of 1999, I went paralyzed over four days, chest down. So at that point, I woke up, I literally woke up from an MRI paralyzed. And so I had to, you know, go across the street into the hospital, spend six weeks there, was able to learn to walk again. And and, uh, and then by that uh, Christmas, I was paralyzed again, chest down. And then a couple days later, my left arm went, shoulder down. And a day or two after that, I lost my voice for a couple days. Jeez. So that's when your your faith meets the wall. Yeah. Your voice was gone. Not hoarse, but... Yeah, I actually was on the... The techs were giving me some sort of test that day. And I like to mess around with doctors, techs, anybody, because they're always too serious and they need to lighten up. And I went to joke around with them and all that came out was like, baby, goobble, gobble, blah, 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 kind of speak. And I stopped and I'm like, what was that? And so I went to speak again and that's all that came out. It was like a baby trying to talk. And I was freaked mm-hmm. out. 
and they freaked out. And then, you know, wow. Yeah. So it's just a couple days of that. And then it took a months and months, and months to get back, but it came back. And what was your state of mind through this? Cause I know uh, you're a very positive person. <laughs> I try to be, I was freaked out. Not going to lie. I had one good limb and no good answers. So yeah, I was uh, pretty upset. Not sure where to go, what to ask, who to talk to, what direction this had to go, because it was going south really fast. Was it the limb that you write with, eat with, do up your pants with, or was it the opposite? Uh, yes, and yes. So lucky, lucky for you. If, if there's anything good out of this, it was the thing that you still could do some things, but that was it. I had to adjust a lot of things. There was a lot of uh, things that had to change because of that one arm going. But eventually, both arms have been paralyzed. Um, the left one twice, the right one once. So, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting ordeal. Because your health is so important. And when that's all of a sudden, wake up and it's gone. Yeah. Like you have no one to blame. You know, a car wreck or a bad choice or someone else's bad choice. You have somewhere to direct whatever feelings or emotions come out. But when you really can't direct it to anyone but God, and frankly, when you're sick and stuff, who's that? You know, you start... There's no one to be mad at. Well, that was my next question was, uh, did your anger go upwards? Eventually it did, yeah. Not then. Not then. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, it it eventually did go there. I've had a few conversations with the man upstairs, a little comeuppance with the man. And, you know, because I think those are healthy. But did you ever have that moment where um, you just yelled and screamed and did all your things and then you still felt that those loving arms around you? Or did did it take a while? Uh, it's hard to answer that. It, that's come in spurts. Um, that's happened more on the healing side than it was on the sick side. Okay. But we eventually had some, uh, some words and then, uh, I got my stuff out and then it's like, okay, back to work. Sean, I have your book here sitting in, in front of me. I went to your book launch. How long ago was that? Like a year? Uh, just over it? a year ago. A year yeah. Ago. February or November a year ago. That was pretty cool to pull up and see this big marquee in your name. 30 foot. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. And there was no wanted poster and it was not a milk carton. So things were looking good. (laughs) In your book, you have so many great quotes amongst your your story that you share in there. And one of them that I love is life's challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They're supposed to help you discover who you are because everyone has challenges. And so, so often we get stuck in that there are excuse yes. and you had a really good excuse to few. just you know let people take care of you and just sit back and be angry and let life <laughs> pass you by but but no mm-hmm. you you didn't no that's not me i i can't stand that um being in that victim mode i mean i've been there enough to know that i don't want to ever stay there that's not a good place there's no growth there's nothing good happening there was there a day where you just said i i just have to imp- Embrace this. I fight this. I kind of went along with it. There's a lot of things uh, in my story and, and the progression of physical diseases like this. What are you going to fight? You know, it, it's only going to come out verbally. So what can you do? I went along with it. I did my research, though. I went to the Internet. I went to books. I went to people with knowledge. And I tried to be an annoying person with my doctors. I came in with questions. And then I was that annoying two-year-old. Why not? Well, what about this? Well, what, tell me why this isn't it. You know, I made them explain why yes or no and everything I came to them with. And I'm sure I was annoying. I was a jerk at the time, I'm sure. But when your health is on the line, I don't care how you feel about me. I want answers. 
because then that gives me a way to go, okay, now what can we do? What's the possibilities? Where, where can we go? That's what I was looking for. So I channeled my, maybe that angst into um, learning and knowledge. My question is, uh, the first time I met you, I saw you, you were in a wheelchair. And for several months, I saw you in a wheelchair. And then every once in a while, I would see you stand up. And then you'd sit back down in the wheelchair and wheel out. And then today, well, I've seen other times, but I've seen you stand and, and take steps and, and walk. I, I saw you throw the first pitch out at a, at a baseball game. Yeah. Uh, and then I also saw you get out of your car today and walk into my house. It, it was some <laughs> effort, but you, you do it. Yeah. Uh, take us from waking up that Sunday morning and going through all this pain and agony and have your conversations with God to where you are now. Well, it all kind of came to a head um, October of 93 or 03. I'm sorry. I'm not that old, I guess. I was found on the floor of my room on a Saturday unconscious. Apparently, I had a stroke, a lupus-related stroke. Um, Turns out I had 36 lesions in my brain. Apparently, the doctor told everyone I was going to die that night. I'm annoying. I don't listen to doctors alive or almost dead. And after I recovered from that, and it took me a, a while to remember my um, passwords, I emailed a friend of mine uh, who's a doctor, and turns out she was at the National Institutes of Health. So I get an e- another email from her the next day saying, hey, I'm at NIH. I talked to the rheumatology department. They said, send your records. Um, they can't promise anything, but they'll read them. And so I spent two months sending those over to them. And then I get this, you know, phone call one day from this heavily accented voice. And eventually, you know, hey, do you want to come out? I'm like, dude, I'll come out tomorrow. Like, when are we coming? He goes, how about a week from Sunday? I'm like, done. And so once I got out there, and that was Janet Jackson Booby Sunday, the Super Bowl. I missed it. So that's how I remember the date. I was thinking you were speaking another language, but now I'm I'm with you. Now you can remember the date. Uh, (laughs) There's some things it's good to miss. So I got there that Sunday night, and by Wednesday night, I had three doctors in my room telling me what I had. Up until then, no one knew what I had. No one in Utah has seen what I have, and that's where we are. Is you know They gave me uh, six months of chemotherapy to treat you know the lupus side of things, and then they uh, also informed me that they have a stem cell study that they have, but they got to do this um, this type of treatment before you can qualify for being looked at, so... That's kind of what brought me to the National Institutes of Health. And uh, from there, you know, I did, I started the six months of chemo that weekend because I'm like, let's go. You know, it'll take my doctors a month to pull their heads out. So let's just get going while they think about it. I did the six months and three months later, my right side went paralyzed. And so the day after election day in 2004, I was on a plane heading to the National Institutes of Health to see if I qualified for a stem cell transplant for lupus. Okay, so when you were under your chemotherapy, did you lose all your hair and all that kind of stuff? No, you know what's crazy is a week before the fifth chemo treatment, I actually won the Ogden Marathon racing a handbike. Wow. Yeah. I thought it'd be a good story for the grandkids, you know. That's impressive. I was kind of messed up in the head, obviously. Um, so I thought I'd finish a marathon on chemo. I didn't think I'd win, but yeah, I won. <laughs> that, that's cool. That's impressive. All right, so you go through that process. Uh, just wow, chemo, and and they've all know, they all know what it is now. They've identified it. Now you yes. can start making progress. You gave me a shirt one night that said stem cell on it, 
Uh, gut, gut stem gut, cells. Gut stem gut cells. Stem yeah, cell. and uh, and I've worn that a few times, and I've raised some eyebrows. There's a lot of misconception out there about stem stem cell stem cell. So tell us about it. Uh, what's the misconception? The misconception when it kind of made the foray into the media uh, back in 2000 2001, it was all about embryonic stem cells, and people thought you were creating embryos to destroy them and to get these stem cells so they can cure diseases. So it, it, it became a uh, consternation to some people because it was false information. A lot of the research came from in vitro clinics where these embryos are going to be thrown down the drain. So my question is, you know, at what point is it donor tissue? Everyone has to make up their own mind. I don't pretend to, you know, make up minds for people. But that was the initial result. It was controversy. Mine were different in that they were adult stem cells and my own, which is pretty awesome, you know, in and of itself. But a lot of the research, even at the NIH.gov website, they'll tell you that they used embryonic stem cells from in vitro clinics so that, you know, they're on the up and up, you know where they're coming from and why. They have a pretty good explanation there. But that's, that's why there was a controversy. Well, good. I appreciate you clearing that up. So, Sean, in your book, there's a story about you in a ram. <laughs> that's a great story yeah i was like 18 almost 19 and in short I, I was helping a neighbor who had some exotic animals and i got volunteered by everybody else stepping back and i was left out front like in the you know movies and the comedies and so i'm in the pen with the woodland park zoo officials from seattle and my friend and, and they flushed this mountain ram this big horned sheep down this row of uh bushes and towards me and I was supposed to grab him by the horns and wrestle him to the ground. And I did. Thankfully, it was awesome. No one got injured. <laughs> but the analogy is that life comes at you fast. And like the zoo official told me, if I let go once I handle those horns, I would die. So if I wasn't nervous already, you know, obviously, <laughs> going, dude, I want to run out of here. And that's how life happens. You know, my life was a big horned sheep running at me a million miles an hour. And I had to grab on those horns. Hang on for dear life, and hopefully no one got hurt. Jeez, you could do a Dodge commercial. <laughs> I could. Grab I own a Dodge. Grab life by the horns. <laughs> exactly. I got a question for you. Your book, before we started here, I, I pointed out something. I look at it. It's called Impossible, or So They Said. I, I looked at this uh, cover, and it has you standing there with a, a wheelchair in the background. And then uh, below, at the bottom, I said, hey, that... Looks like Darwin's theory of evolution. And you said that was on purpose. Explain that. How You've got a picture of you in a wheelchair and then a picture standing up a little taller in a walker and then a little taller in, with a cane and then this full-grown massive man with uh, nothing holding him up. Yeah, the purpose was that for that cover was I want to tell my story on the cover without you knowing what my story is in words. And that would hopefully draw you into the rest of the story of how did this guy in a wheelchair obviously get walking? So it was the theory of evolution. And the theory for me was I went from a, a wheelchair for 17 years, well, seven years, and and eventually for 17 years, and now I'm in a walker full time. But uh, the evolution is walker. I needed aid, then just a little cane. And for distances, short distances, I can go without. 
And it's just that process of going from a wheelchair to walking again. That's cool. It's cool. I like that. And and uh, something else I wanted to touch on a little bit too is your support group. Uh, I, I went to the the bees game and, and watched you throw out the first pitch at a professional baseball game. Uh, you wheeled yourself out to the pitcher's mound in your wheelchair and got to the dirt. And then you stood up and walked up onto the mound and threw the first pitch. I sat up in the stands uh, with about, you know, 40 or so other people wearing gut stem cells shirts. Right. And, uh, and and then uh, we've been to a birthday party of yours as well, and, and you just fill the place. What, what's up with this? Where do you get all this support? I'm charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I call you on your crap and make you like it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. To, I just, to us, it looks like you have a great support system. And, and you have is, a lot is, of great friends. Has that been yeah. a big help? It's interesting. Um, yes and almost a no. I, I don't know how to frame this. I know a lot of people. The people that know me or very few. So I, you know, I'm, I just like to have fun, goof off. I meet a lot of people. And so what's interesting is, you know, like posting that this is my 12 year birthday today uh, on Facebook last night, how many people come out and comment that say, Hey, you're such an example, you know, you you're pushing for stuff that I need, or you're an example to me and things like that. And it's only in those times when those kind of people tend to come out and tell you how important you are to them. And until then, you kind of don't know. They're just people you know. You see them at parties. You see them at events. You see them at dinners. You, sometimes you go and spend more time with them on weekends or, and camping or whatever. But, yeah, a lot of times you don't really know how your relationship is until those times, like the first pitch and right. a birthday dinner or, you know, events where... Because you send out the invites to people, and then all of a sudden when they're there, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. They showed up for me. And conversely, when you get sick, you find out who your friends are. I had a lot of close friends back then and quickly found out how few I really had. So it's kind of a split decision on on how I feel about that because you really find out who matters. Right. When you're going through life's suckage, if you will, and you're going through your stuff, you find out who's going to be around. And I found out real quick who I was going to be around. And they're few and far between, but they're good people that are there. That's great. That's great. Cause, uh, to have somebody that really cares about you. Yeah, you do. You narrow it down. And, and, and sadly enough, a lot of that is because people don't know what to say. So they avoid the situation. They're like, I like Sean, but I don't even know what to say. He used to walk and now he doesn't. And I don't want, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> and, and we all get that way to an extent. And those who rise above that and think, I don't need to say anything. I just need to sit there with him. Yeah. I just need to be there. So that's cool that you've had uh, you've got some great people that are in your life that have followed you all the way through. It's great, yeah. It's been fun to find those find out who those people are. Yes, yes. And you've got trainers. Tell us about your trainer, Serba. I was gonna say you like broke some kind of a record or set some kind of a record, the <laughs> stair climbing thing or something. I don't know what record I did, but um, yeah, almost two years ago, I climbed the Wells Fargo building downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, it's 24 stories, 598 steps, and a friend of mine at work had challenged me to uh, to do it. And I took six minutes to look at their website and say, well, it's 22 stories out of my comfort zone. Let's try it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and I had to stop two, three times because my hip flexors gave out and they wouldn't lift my foot up anymore. So once I rested a few minutes, then I could get going again. But and yeah. it, was, it was documented and videotaped. Yes, yes. We, I had a film crew there. Yeah. And 
So it's not, you know, I got video proof, so I did it. That's all yes, that matters. You did. <laughs> and I've got video proof of me leg pressing 307 pounds 15 times. Because, you know, no one believes you without video anymore. So you've got to have if that. There's no pictures or no video. It didn't yeah, happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It's just a campfire story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the name of your book is Impossible or So They Said. Yes. A stem cell experience lived and written by Sean C. Wickard. Yep. Available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. And one of your chapters that I really loved, it's called Visualize the End Results. And it's the I'm Possible Principle. Yes. It goes to the Audrey Hepburn quote that just means everything to my story. Yeah. And visualizing. That was a big part of your, your mental attitude and being positive. You visualized yourself walking. I only wanted to walk. I didn't care about lupus. So the stem cell to me was permission to learn to walk and actually have it stick this time. And so uh, that's all I knew. I was just going to walk. So you went into went into this situation to get rid of the lupus in their minds. That They had you come in to, to help with your lupus. Yes. Um, had no intention that it would help you with your walking. Nothing they verbalized. <laughs> wow. But and in the your thing, mind, you the, were visualizing that. The only thing I told them, I told the other lady in the stem cell with me, I plan on walking away from this literally and figuratively. And you did it. All the way. Yep. Okay. Well, we're out of time. Our 22 minutes goes so fast. And so leave us a parting word. Uh, what would you leave from your book, from your thoughts? What would you leave for our listeners that's going to inspire them, lift them, maybe bring a smile to their face? My story rests on the morning of the stem cell procedure, watching that salmon-colored liquid drip from the IV bag. Um, I had a choice. I could do nothing and gain something, or I could do something and gain everything. So I went with choice number two. Great wow. choice. Thank you so much All for right. joining us. And you can visit his website at www.gotstemcells.info. Yes, you can. Yeah, thank you, Sean. It was great to see you again. You're always welcome at our home. You're a good friend, and we appreciate you being here. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thank you very much for joining us on Life in 22 Minutes. Sean Wickard, impossible or so they said. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.